So hello, <laughs> if we've not met before, my name is Matt. Um, I am very privileged to be one of the elders here at Real Life Church. Um, my wife, Phil, and I um, are both on the leadership team. One of our responsibilities is for um, worship, um, the worship team in the church. Um, we've been married now for, I guess, right, 18 years. Had our wedding anniversary, porcelain wedding anniversary just a week ago. And we have two wonderful children, Blue, who's nine, and Delta, who's 11. So last week, Stuart looked at the first part of 2 Timothy 3. He talked about the dangers of false teachers and helping us to recognize them and what the fruit of following good Bible-centered, gospel-focused teaching will be. Do listen again if you haven't had a chance to yet or do listen for the first time. Details on the church emails or on our website. Now, Stuart started with a great personal example of when he was trying to get to a conference in London and he chose someone to follow. Well, instead, I'm going to play a quick video clip. It's only just over a minute long. Now, if you are the first person to name the film correctly, notice that, name the film correctly in the chat. Hold on. Look at this. I can't see myself, but hopefully you can see that. Ooh, doesn't look big because it's close. It is actually a big bar of chocolate. I will attempt to get that to whoever names it first. So maybe Charlotte could keep an eye out just in case I miss who it is. And just for fun, if you know the year or you think you know the year, stick it in. I've got a feeling the title of the film is probably going to pop up when I share my screen anyway. It'll probably spoil all my fun. But let's see what happens. Uh, yeah, I think it's there. Just don't look. Close your eyes for a second if you want to play. Uh, do that. And that, this is me sharing, not Charlotte. So if it doesn't work, it's my fault. Jeremy, you gonna take my bag? You gonna take my bag? Come on. Come on. Come on. I wouldn't stop there for a minute. Okay, hopefully you can see me again. Is that okay, Charlotte? You can re-spotlight me if you need to. Brilliant. So, um, yeah, I think the name was very clearly at the top of that screen, wasn't it? 
Now, there's a bit of a, a debate here whether it was Melanie or Haley, because strictly speaking, Haley was the first person to type it absolutely correctly. So I think what I'll do is I will um I'll buy Mel an ice cream on holiday this week, or some chocolate if she prefers, and I will get this chocolate bar to Haley. Um, and Camping Kersley's, yes, it was 1992. So what am I actually talking about? Let's get back to my notes. Uh, here we go. So who we follow is really important. In um, this film, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, full title, if you've not seen it, um, Kevin, who was running there through the airport, he trusted his dad. He knows his dad. He knows his heart. His dad knows Kevin. He loves him, um, even if he does keep leaving him behind um, at airports. But he does love him and he does know him. And that's why Kevin puts his energy into running after him and chasing him down, following his path. What he doesn't realize is that in his moment of distraction, his dad has actually been replaced by a man that he doesn't know. And hold on, there we go. Someone that doesn't love him, someone that doesn't actually want to help him. He doesn't even realize that Kevin is there following him. And as Kevin follows him and trusts him to lead him in the right direction, he actually ends up lost and alone. So I hope that tonight, as we look at 2 Timothy, will help us to identify people in our lives that we know are good and the right people to follow. I hope it will also inspire us to be people that help others to grow, people that teach and lead others to walk in confidence, whatever stage of life they are at, and to be aware of who is following us in our journey and help them as best we can. It's so important that we follow people we know we can trust and are leader to, leading us in the right direction. And what is the right direction for us? It's, it's, of course, going after Jesus, after the gospel message, after the holy and perfect word of scripture. It's not self-seeking, but Jesus-seeking, gospel-seeking, truth-seeking. So let's read Paul's charge to Timothy. So this is 2 Timothy 3, verses 10 to 17. But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live, what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So what is the conclusion from this passage? I'm gonna start a bit back to front today. So as Christians, our life is not going to be straightforward, sorry. There will be difficulties, persecution and suffering, but we can draw strength from, number one, observing the life of other believers that have taught us well. 
and we can set a good example to others, like Paul, who is able to say with confidence that he has taught Timothy valuable lessons through his life and demonstrated examples that he wants Timothy to follow. He lived his life knowing and experiencing that suffering was certain, but so was the div- so was the divine strength and protection from God. And secondly, we can draw strength, wisdom and encouragement from the scriptures, the detailed God-breathed plan for our salvation, the beautiful revelation of the character of God. It shows us what is true and right. It shows us what is wrong and will lead us away from God, but also what is good and will lead us closer to him. We must read them and apply them to our lives. We must find people and resources that will help us to understand them more. And remember, study leads to action. The scriptures are not just for knowledge. They teach us how to do Christ's work and how to live our lives well. So that's where we're going. We're going to delve into this a little bit more and hopefully throughout, just give some examples, some ideas to get us thinking about um, ways we could maybe do this a little bit better. Um, let's see where we go. So, so look at the example of Paul, and we're going to look at what he says is important to remember about his example. So it says firstly in verses 10 and 11 that Timothy knows Paul. He hasn't always been with Paul, but he has observed his life with close interest. He has carefully investigated, taken opportunities when they arose to see this firsthand. In 1 Timothy um, chapter 4, the same verb here, knows, is actually translated as followed. So it's not... A, it's not a passive, but it's active. It's an active knowledge of the life of Paul, pursuing him, pursuing that knowledge. And we all follow someone else in some way or other at different points in our lives. There are, there are gonna be times when we, we don't know what to do next or where to go. So what do we do? We purposely seek help from others or from Google or Siri or Alexa. Don't worry, I've turned her off, she won't respond. Um, from how do I make this plant grow? Or how do I fix my dishwasher to how do I cope with the death of a loved one? Or how do I even start to forgive someone that has deeply hurt me? Even when we're not directly seeking advice or wisdom, our actions and attitudes are still affected by people we spend time with, things we listen to or watch, TV programs, films, podcasts, blogs, Facebook statuses, books, news articles, music, lyrics. We live in a society where we're just completely saturated by opinions, by information, by debate, discussion, disagreement. And I was just thinking on this note, how many times recently have you found yourself talking about COVID-19, sorry to talk about it again, based upon knowledge that you've gained from the news and then had a discussion with someone where you find yourself quoting your newfound knowledge? Unless there happens to be someone listening that has actually been a part of this research and knows this firsthand, our knowledge comes from where we choose to look for it. As an example, I remember hearing the news from the the government somewhere that lateral flow tests uh, were for testing people at the peak of their symptoms. We definitely heard that somewhere, read that somewhere. Now, I was confident then in my discussions at work and in life because I trusted the person that I'd listened to. I didn't do the research myself. I trusted, I decided to trust that person. But then the next week, I receive all the documentation at school that suddenly tells me that it's not for symptomatic people, it's for asymptomatic people. And suddenly my head is thoroughly confused. I don't know what's going on now. Were they right? Were they right? Has, has the guidance changed? Has the product changed? I don't know. But suddenly I'm less confident and confused in my newfound knowledge. We need to be so careful who and what we listen to in life. It shapes us, even if we don't mean it to. But particularly when we're studying the Bible and trying to follow Jesus and trying to live our lives in a way that honours him. This is life-changing, life-giving knowledge that we need to get right. 
So as we look at how Paul describes himself now, think about these as great checks that the people we are choosing to follow and listen to are worthy of this honour of being followed. So who are we following? Are they living a life and preaching a message that demonstrates the same kind of faith and purpose that Paul showed? Also think about who is following you. Like the man in the video that didn't realise Kevin was putting all his trust in him and running after him in the airport. And whether you are setting a good example in these areas. Even if you're not kind of a leader in terms of title, we are all leaders of others, other people, our children, our neighbours, our colleagues, will witness our attitudes and behaviour and it will shape them. And this is a real and serious responsibility for everyone. So what example are we setting for those that follow us through our lifestyle choices, attitudes, decisions? So firstly, Paul mentions his teaching. It was always centered on the gospel message and the character of God. It focused on pursuing Jesus's example to ultimately lead people to Christ, helping others to understand and apply the scriptures. These are some of the most important lessons we can teach anyone. And Paul devoted his life to this pursuit. He knew God. He was secure in his own salvation, but he wanted to help others know this truth and have their lives changed forever. So what he taught others was bound strongly in his knowledge of God and the truth of the scriptures. He then says to look at how he lives. These are the guiding principles he has demonstrated in his conduct and actions. He is able to say with confidence again, look at what I do, look at what my actions show you. Again, it's not just words, but action. Now, how confident would you be to let someone into your life in this way? When I was um, on year team, which slightly embarrassingly, it was actually, I wrote it here 20 years ago, it was probably longer than that. Um, we were um, given a family to come alongside as part of our training discipleship, spend time with them. Now I got to spend time with a man called Adrian Horner, who some people on this call will know. He's a strong biblical man with an amazing sense of humor and an even more amazing prophetic gift. And we didn't just go for walks and talk. As a 21 year old man, I spent time in their home and I saw the variety of what goes on in a household full of energetic children. Um, I saw him live his life and I learned how he leaned on Jesus and led his family so well. Great opportunity. Thank you, Adrian. But and none of us are perfect, not even Paul. But Paul invites um, Timothy to look at how he lives. He says, look at my life. Look at what I've done. This would include moments of great triumph, great moments of faith but also how he deals with disappointment and mistakes. Um, and I know there are others at Real Life Church that have invited younger Christians into their homes in this way. And it's such a great way to teach about how we live as Christians through example. Um, I Just one, like say, well done to those people. And I'm not just talking about the kind of the oldest generations in the church. This could be true of all different um, ages and walks of life of people in the church but well done for inviting people into your home letting them see you kind of in the good times the bad times and discipling them in that way but also if you've never done that maybe just think of someone it might be another family it might be an individual you can say actually look you're always welcome we'll put some boundaries in place I might tell you to go away if it's a really bad day but you're welcome into my life you're welcome to come and have a look at my family you're welcome to come and have a look at how I do things, okay? So if that's something you think, oh, that's interesting, I never thought about it, write it down, tell someone. Even better, write it down, invite someone. Don't do it now because you're going to listen to the rest of the preach, but do it later. 
Next, Paul talks about his purpose, his resolve to live his life in complete commitment to Jesus Christ. Time and time again, Paul reminds us what he does, he does for Jesus. In Corinthians 9, he tells us five times that his purpose is to win others so they may be saved. That is saved from the wrath of God that we as the fallen deserve until we are saved by Jesus on the cross. And in Corinthians 10, he says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many so that they may be saved. He is motivated by a desire to ensure as many people as possible hear the gospel message, both in his life, in his lifetime, and then from those that he has taught to continue sharing this purpose. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That's what got him up each day and motivated him to carry on. Then talks about, he mentions his faith is also on show, his unshaking confidence in God, his outgoing response to the gospel call on his life and his response to the difficult situations that he faced. Remember Hebrews 11 and the great examples of faith lifted that, listed there. Paul knew about faith from others that had gone before him. He had learned from them and put this into action in his life. Um, in Hebrews 11, it says, by faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. Wow. So in his teaching and examples, Paul is always quick to attribute his faith in God as the backbone of his strength and his endurance, which is the next quality we'll look at. But Paul has clearly been inspired by those before him, and this has shaped how he lives his life. So Paul's endurance, wow. His perseverance and resolve to keep going under difficult circumstances. He says, you know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. Probably one of the biggest understatements in the Bible. Yes, we do, Paul. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Again, attributing it back to God in terms of his strength and his resolve and his faith. And some of Timothy's knowledge is by accounts from Paul firsthand and from other witnesses. But some also came from being with Paul and seeing the terrible events in his own hometown of Lystra, for example, where Paul was stoned and left for dead after the Jews won the crowds over against Paul and his teaching. Paul says in Hebrews 10, uh, do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Again, in Romans 8, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. He goes on to remind us that his example is not an exception or out of the ordinary. We have here an appeal to join Paul in his suffering as we follow Christ. 
And this is going to vary in degree, take different forms for all of us. But the kind of the basic hostility of, of man towards the godly man remains unchanged and is going to be there until the end of this world. Um, and in all of this, Paul's strength that he urges us to follow him in comes from his faith, his purpose and his knowledge of the power and saving work of God. And this is really where his teaching becomes self-demonstrated action in the way that he lives and responds. So lastly, um, he lists his patience and love. So his patience, that is his self-control, his restraint towards people and circumstances. Okay, in 1 Timothy, Paul says, Formerly, I was a blasphemer, prosecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. I.e., God showed patience towards him who was so against God. He waited, he saved him. He did not cast him out, he saved him. Jesus' perfect patience towards us sinners beautifully reflects the patience of his father. Paul has experienced this patience in his own life story and knows what he deserved, but understands that by demonstrating this patience to others, teaches people directly about the patience of God towards us all. Again, it teaches about the character of God. Uh, John Piper says when looking at this passage, to discover yourself a recipient of Christ's patience is to find yourself loved by God. To know Jesus's patience is to know the very love of God. And just pause and think how our responses can either demonstrate the patience that Jesus has first shown us. How would you have responded? How would I have responded to someone as sinful as humankind? I mean, that's massive. Um, but he loved us and he patiently acted out his plan of salvation at the right time. And think about how quickly you comment or respond to things that doesn't show patience, particularly, I think sometimes on social media where we do it, don't we click of a button, send, gone. And you think, oh no, what have I just said? And sometimes you don't even think, oh no, because you do it so quickly, it's done and it's gone. And it's only when someone comes back to you and goes, Matt, did you really mean what you said in that response? Came across a bit harsh, mate. Um, I just urge you, urge us to show patience to others. They might disagree with you, but how you respond can demonstrate a patience that actively demonstrates how we are trying to be more like Jesus or more like Paul, who wants us to be more like Jesus. So finally, love. The love that Paul showed to others. That was to his friends and to those against him. Love is the first in the fruit of the spirit. Paul knows the importance of loving others at the heart of Christian life. Here's a challenging passage from Colossians 3. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember that the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Love that passage. So challenging. So challenging about how we show love to others and patience to others. At the end of the day, Paul was just a man 
but a man that devoted his life to following Jesus. And ultimately his behavior and attitudes were shaped by his knowledge of Jesus and his desire to share this with others. So how do we gain this knowledge? Well, we spend time with Jesus, reading our Bibles, praying, worshiping, out loud in silence, whatever it needs to be at the time works for us. But we also follow and listen to the teachings and examples of others. And this is absolutely right and encouraged. It's why we're here, isn't it? You've chosen to listen to this tonight. Hopefully it's helpful. Um, but we must ensure that this teaching is good and true, um, which is where we must always come back to the scriptures, which are inspired by the, word, the inspired word of God. Paul's final appeal here is for Timothy and us to remain faithful to what we've been taught from the Holy Scriptures. We must also ensure that the lessons we teach others are also good and true. And this is quite some responsibility. Paul urges us to remain faithful, also translated as to hold on to or to continue. Again, it's an active verb, like the knowing how Paul lived his life, an active commitment to live out and abide by what we have been taught, holding on to the truth. Paul's knowledge of God, his understanding of the scriptures underpins every aspect of his character and life that we've looked at tonight. And he reminds Timothy, here's a good verse, he has been taught the Holy Scriptures since from childhood. Teaching young children is an opportunity and a responsibility. A parent's work is vitally important. So I applaud all parents. The work of any adults that come into regular contact with children and this can include those that are kind of young in faith, but not necessarily age. Children, in terms of their relationship with Jesus, is of great consequence. Our early years of development shape how we grow, how we make decisions, who we trust, who we follow. And for Timothy, this would have included his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois here, who were both believers. The importance of family in teaching us. So here's a question. How many of our children's reactions and attitudes are really just a reflection of our own? Think back to what we said about following others and learning from them. Whenever we are around children, they learn from us. They're literally like sponges. So my son Blue, why doesn't he like couscous? It's probably my fault, okay? Put it in front of me, Bill just said yes. I joke about it being like eating sand. I really don't get it. He's probably learnt this from me though, so sorry, Phil. Mm -hmm. um, would he have reacted the same if I hadn't? Maybe he would be a lover of couscous if I hadn't demonstrated a reaction that he has then learned from me. Although, would anyone really be a lover of couscous? Um, but he's probably learnt that from me. And our children look to us and trust us to lead them well. Um, people that are new to faith or have not walked with Jesus for as long as you um, have trust us to lead them well. We all play a part in this. And are we demonstrating a life that is God-centered, full of gospel-focused purpose, showing love, patience, humility? Um, now, a couple of practical thoughts here. So if anyone's a habit of talking negatively and complaining about their children's school or teachers at home, um, then this will shape your children's attitudes, which in turn can only make that time at school even harder and feel less secure. Instead, we could flip this round and show them how we can love and pray for anyone and everyone, including their school and their teachers. We can forgive, 
We can show patience as we trust in God to look after our children. We can even find the right way to speak up for justice if something is going wrong, but in a way that honours people and honours God and demonstrates a love for them, even when we are feeling they are letting us and our children down. But the words we speak about this at home will shape our children's attitudes. When I hear children talking about things about school, that they dislike and so often it's just a reflection of what I've heard their parents say. So think about that one as a practical. Um, A second one for children um, is um, when other parents say things to our children that might be teaching them something that we feel is wrong or an unhelpful expectation. Again, we can teach children how in kind of how we respond to this. We can correct the teaching without insulting the person. It's important that we teach our children our values and we stand firm with them and also how to demonstrate these to others in love, not disrespect. Quick example of this, then I'll stop talking about parents, but I think it's so important. Um, We've had to do this before when other poor parents talk to our children about being boyfriends and girlfriends, to be honest, at a stage of life that we feel is just putting unhelpful expectations and pressures on our children. They're too young. You know, that's not how we have chosen to teach our children about romantic love and about relationships and about friendship love. It's, it's not a joke. We think it's confusing for our children. It's not needed. I mean, at times we've spoken up again whilst showing love and our children then see us live in our lives with purpose, values and love and learn from us. And in the process, other people learn something of our heart, our values, our faith. And sometimes we stand out because of them. They might disagree with us. We might suffer a little bit, but at the end of the day, we're standing firm to what we believe in and what we believe is right for our children. So we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful what we teach our children, our attitudes to praying, reading the Bible, how we speak of others in our homes, how we prioritise our time and money. Be assured they are watching and listening and learning. And remember, I've said it's not just about children, children, but people that are young in the faith that haven't known Jesus very long, that need help in their journey. Paul said, look at the way I live my life. Well, there are a bunch of children and young Christians already looking at your life to learn from you. They see our purpose, our priorities. So we have a responsibility to make sure these are in the right place, not just for us, but for them and their future. They trust us to be a good example to them. And there's a responsibility for all of us. We will pray about this at the end. So to wrap this up, we need to know who the people are that we will follow in this life and know that they are leading us well and in a good direction. We know, of course, we can follow Jesus. We can follow Paul and the example of great people in the Bible. We also need to check that the people we spend time with, we talk to, we learn from, rub shoulders with, we have people that we know we can trust in their teaching and example. Think about who these people are in your life. And if you're not sure about these things, ask them, what's your purpose? What's your faith about? What is your faith in? Check you are following someone that demonstrates these Jesus-centered qualities in their lives. Consider carefully um, what other voices you're allowing to speak into your life. If you're listening to podcasts, preaches, reading articles and blogs, check the people behind them are not self-seeking and leading you away from a life centered on Jesus. Check that the fruit of this teaching is that you are living with greater purpose, demonstrating more love, more faith, that you are able to endure the strains of life more by gaining strength from the power of our living God. 
And then we've got to consider again what we are teaching to others by the words we speak, the words we type through our actions, our decisions, our attitudes. We need to make sure that if we are following Jesus, then we are helping others on their journey too and not making it harder for them by living a life full of contradiction and confusion. And finally, all these checks come back to our knowledge of the Bible, of Jesus, of his mission, his mission and purpose for us. If there's a disparity between your understanding of the Bible and the teaching that you're listening to, or perhaps what you are teaching others, then please reflect, talk to others that you trust. If there are authors or preachers you like, then brilliant, keep learning. But perhaps talk to others in your life group, people you trust about what you are learning, so they can help you just to weigh and apply this to your life. Check that you are filling yourself with good Bible-centered teaching. Let's talk about it, let's discuss, let's help each other. You know, what are you reading in the Bible right now? What are you doing to improve your knowledge? This is where we learn right from wrong, good from bad, what is just and what is not. The word of God is our help and encouragement. It's so important that we get good teaching, which is why at Real Life Church, we recommend books, podcasts, songs, articles, preachers. We do giveaways because we understand the importance of following good biblical teaching and following the example of Jesus-centered men and women. So hopefully there's a few things there um, you can take away. We're going to pause for a minute as we finish now, and I will pray. Um, but yeah, hopefully there's there's something in there, and I haven't just waffled on for 30 minutes uh, for nothing, but just thinking about where are we getting our sort of daily bread from, our food from, our learning from, and what are we doing to others? And if we don't think we've got on following and have a look behind you look around you and say well actually who is looking at me and who can I help on this journey um I'd love us just before um we kind of are completely finished in prayer I'd love us just to pray for Stuart um it just struck me um early today as I was worshiping that um obviously the elders and the leaders in the church carry a real um responsibility and weight for the church moving the church forward the vision the the teaching and all those brilliant things, you know, we all play a part in. But um, hopefully you're aware that Stuart's kind of um, part of his big responsibility is to look after the preaching and teaching within the church. He does that as an elder. We do that as elders. But he he carries that. That is his responsibility that ultimately he leads us on. He does all the background reading, the praying, the studying, the, the planning out the sequence of events and the teaching that we're going through and all of those things. And that's that's a real weight to carry. But we are so blessed as a church to have Stuart, who is a man I know we can trust. I can quite happily say here, look at Stuart's teaching, look at what he teaches us, look at his exposition of the Bible. It is good. It is really good. So thank you, Stuart. I want to say thank you to you for what you do for us as a church. But I'd love us just to, I don't know if we can do this on this meeting. If you want to, you can unmute. I'm going to give a 30 seconds prayer. Just unmute if you're okay to do this and just have a burst of prayer, just thanking God for Stuart and praying for real wisdom and strength as he continues to do this. embarrassed. Go, go. Thank you. Thank 
Simple, strong, lifting him up, showing him where you want to Yeah, Jesus, we, we thank you for Stuart and just ask you to pour his blessing, your blessing upon him um, as he continues in this great work that he does for us at Real Life Church. Amen. 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 So, that's us for tonight. I'm going to do one very short prayer for all of us, and then I'll hand back over to Charlotte, who will tell us how long we've got. So, Jesus, I want to thank you. I want to thank you that you have done so much to help us. Ultimately, you saved us. Your work on the cross um, took upon yourself everything that we deserved, and you set us free into this wonderful relationship with God. But it didn't stop there. You keep teaching us. You gave us your Bible, your word, your holy scriptures. You gave us the life of ex other people in the Bible that we can look at and follow. And then you go and surround us by people in this world that we walk in who can help us and lead us. I want to thank you for those people, Lord. And I pray you'll help us to weigh and keep checking against your word and with people that we trust that we are following the right teaching following the right people and you'll keep us on this path and as we do that lord i pray you will inspire us as a people to look around us look behind us look at who is following us and looking at our example and that we as people that know and love you would help them on their journey amen